This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. I'm Josh Muccio, and from Gimlet Media, this is The Pitch, where real entrepreneurs pitch to real investors. Hello. Hi, I'm Daniel. Nice so to meet you. Hi, Nicole. Nice to meet you. How are you doing? Here today is April Wachtel, who's raising $600,000 for Swig and Swallow, a startup that hopes to turn the world of cocktails upside down. The past decade has seen a revival in the craft cocktail industry unheard of since Prohibition. Gone are the days of rum and Cokes and Long Island iced teas. Now it's all about Negronis and Sazeracs with small batch bitters and muddled fresh herbs. Usually these cocktails require a skilled bartender and long wait times, which is hardly scalable. But April thinks she might have found the sweet spot with Swig and Swallow, where craft meets convenience. But to get the funding, she needs to convince these folks. Today's investors include Daniel Galati. Daniel is a serial entrepreneur turned VC with Comcast Ventures. I'm Jillian Manis. Jillian is a partner at Structure Capital, and she's an angel investor on the side. I'm Phil Nadell. Phil is managing partner of Forefront Venture Partners with over two decades of investment experience. I'm Nicole Verkent. Nicole founded a software company and makes angel investments on the side. All right. On with the pitch. So my name's April Wachtel, and I'm founder and CEO of Swig and Swallow. So about three years ago, I had been planning a cocktail and dinner party at my house. So day of the party, I'm super behind, running super behind. And as you can imagine, it's kind of a disaster. If you're thinking that not having cocktails ready in time for your guests might not exactly spell disaster... So I should also mention that this failure felt particularly deep for me. I'd been throwing parties professionally for years. April was a beverage expert with 22 years of experience. She knew all too well the pressure of trying to mix bespoke cocktails for large groups of people. And she wasn't the only one. Busy bartenders, caterers, and national chains are always struggling to streamline the process. So it occurred to me somebody should come up with a solution that serves really high-quality products at volume. And so that was how Swig and Swallow came to be. Okay. So what's the product? So we do fresh cocktail mixers for iconic cocktails, yep. and we actually call them Habsy mixers because we sell the bottles half full, leaving room for you to add your spirit of choice to the mixer bottle to complete the drink. So no measurement required of any kind. Okay, so you can sell them anywhere. You can sell them anywhere. We can ship anywhere. Um, it is a refrigerated product, and we actually have a six-month shelf life if it's refrigerated and unopened. And so for a host of reasons, this cuts down on waste, and this just improves um, speed of service as well. And it looks like you've got four flavors. So yeah, we've got four right now. We had launched with six. Uh, so in addition to the Moscow Mule Margarita, Mojito, and um, Sour, we also have the Cosmopolitan and Daiquiri. We just retired those two basically through the winter until the summer months when it's um, more demand for all of them. So it's a mixer that comes half full, 
or half empty, depending on how you view the world. And all you have to do is add booze and voila, the perfect craft cocktail at home, made with the best ingredients. We use only fresh ingredients. And when I say that, I don't mean natural flavors. I mean, we literally fresh squeeze all the juices. Um, all of the um, drinks, again, fresh squeezed juice and then house-made syrups. So for example, with the sour, it's actually the simplest. It's literally just fresh lemon juice. And then we make a house-made syrup with um, cane sugar and water. Then with the uh, mojito, we actually hand pluck massive piles of fresh mint. We make a mint-infused simple syrup with that. Um, would everybody, I, Phil, I know you're not going to do the taste test, but- If it's hand plucked, I trust it's good. I okay. don't need to taste it. <laughs> let, me, let me pour you some samples because I've neglected to do my duties okay. and actually serve those I am, to you. I, so I don't drink oh. except for tequila. Yep. You heard that right. Do you stop laughing? There's, <laughs> is that, that's, that's, that's normal. Um, so I have never drank a Moscow Mule or a Mojito or any one of- everything up there because so I have no base of comparison to say this is yep. great this is not great well let me say I'll, this I on the other hand, hand. Yeah. Yeah. we on the other hand have yeah, drunk right. many a Moscow Mule April hands out samples of the product it's never a bad idea to get the investors a little drunk in a pitch but in this case she's only serving virgin cocktails with Phil and Jillian sitting it out it's up to Daniel and Nicole to serve as taste testers right. cheers cheers is it good? Yeah, it's good. You could like use it? a bit yeah. of. Um, I would add more salsa, I think. Could use a bit of alcohol, but. Yeah. yeah. What are you pricing it at? So the MSRP for the small bottle, which makes two cocktails, it's seven. And for the big bottle, it makes 10 cocktails once it's filled with spirits and it's 20. So once you compare it to the competitive set in the cocktail mixer space, it's definitely high. Mm. But when you compare it to what people are paying for, the same product in bars, it's incredibly low. Yep. So the large bottle's 20. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were to buy all the ingredients separately, what would that cost yeah. me? I know that you're competitive with the, you know, um, on-premise, like, you know, bar scene or whatever, but like right. in terms of at home, what does the opportunity look like at home? Is this a super premium product or just a premium product? We, so we believe, we, this is a great question. Um, so in terms of the cost of ingredients, if you were to make basically the labor accounts for a huge amount of the cost. So, for example, for our mixers, we're making oleosaccharums, which is a very labor-intensive type of syrup. You basically use the citrus peel and you macerate it over hours so it extracts all of that um, additional depth and complexity. That's why it never never tastes as good at home. It always tastes so much better when you're in a bar, right? Exactly. Exactly. Of course, tasting good is really only half the battle. Just as important for any beverage product is the distribution strategy – In other words, how you get it in the hands of consumers. Traditionally, beverage companies have gone the wholesale route, stocking the shelves of grocery stores. But increasingly, food and beverage brands are turning to the internet to sell directly to customers. I know this is a very crowded market. Yep. So a little bit about what your marketing strategy is. So we launched um, via Kickstarter uh, May of 2016. So since then, it's you know just in excess of a year. So we started selling wholesale um, in July of 2017. And we launched with Amazon Fresh, Food Kick by Fresh Direct. We're now currently on Amazon. We're launching with Seamless and Grubhub. We're launching to Whole Foods um, in a limited test run um, mid-March to early April. 
But are you live and have customers? And so we're live online? with Amazon Fresh, and that's been it's sort of like a you know a single customer orders, and then we actually receive that order from Amazon, and then we process. And they've told us that that it takes a while to get some traction in that space. Okay. And it's not large volumes, but it's on a weekly basis. So April is using both the wholesale and direct-to-consumer strategies. And she's also gotten creative with selling Swig and Swallow. We've actually done about um, 40 happy hours at the WeWorks around New York City. And we're rolling into another wave of 30. Um, We're actually also doing our first event with Equinox. Um, They're building out their lifestyle end of things. We also have a pop-up in Brooklyn right now. Oh, it's in a laundromat. We've created our own like branded little space. That's cool. So yeah, captive audience. Yeah, I love that. yeah. it's a super fun. Wash, right? Yeah. It's called Swigomatic. <laughs> that's cute. Okay, Thank you. that's great. Yeah. And then on the food service side, again, we think that there's huge opportunity in the national account space. So whether that's in the hotel space or again restaurant groups that say we need a standardized margarita across our thousand locations. Mm. So we think that's where the opportunity is in food service, as well, again, as the stadiums. That could be huge. Yeah, exactly. But to your point about the consumer. Exactly. When there's hundreds of people, you're not going to have 15 mixologists perfectly making everything. And then it takes so long and the quality is always different. Exactly. You could be doing weddings. You could be doing kind of those big events. Exactly. That's kind of where I see it. Okay. It's great to hear the investors so enthusiastic about the various ways in which April could grow her startup. But the operative phrase here is various ways. And what's most important for April is that she has a clear approach to getting her product in the hands of customers. Is your plan to focus on selling to these companies like WeWork and Equinox, or is it to sell uh, in in retail and third-party retail brick and mortar, what's, right. or both, or what's the focus? So I so I think that I think that Whole Foods is important for us, just because while I know that online sales are increasing every year, people always ask, "Are you at Whole Foods? Can we find you at Whole Foods?" So we think that that's important in terms of like validating the brand. Well, it's a higher end uh, brand too, Exa- right? Yeah, exactly. Which is where you're living. Exactly. And then on the food service side, again, we think that there's huge opportunity in the national account space. Um, so whether it's in amenities with the smaller bottles or, again, in the events side of the business with the larger bottles, um, I, I think that's absolutely huge So for is us. The, the answer is both then. You're Correct. going to pursue yep. both as well as the DTC. Correct. So all three. Yep. So like I think about five-hour energy. I think about like the coconut mm-hmm. waters. I think about – you know, even Red Bull 20 years ago, mm-hmm. I think about, um, you know, vitamin water. Th- they seem to be kind of category creation stories in the same way that kind of you're doing. Um, and they can get really big. Like, what does it take to break through yeah. as like a new beverage brand? Yeah. Um, I think you need an excellent product, but you also need an excellent brand. And you also have to execute at a very high level. So backing up just a bit. Our purpose is we want to spread conviviality. We want to make connecting with your friends and family easier and more enjoyable. So just taking that anecdote that I relayed about my party, I was super flustered. I felt like a crappy host. I don't know if I can say that. Um, But, you know, we want to ensure that that doesn't happen to other people. So this is the first product that we're looking to launch. Then we're going to launch a low sugar, low cal version. We also are considering launching a naturally flavored seltzer. Perhaps we'll dabble in the ready-to-drink, ready-to-serve space at a later date. Um, And then we could, again, years down the line, kind of like uh, segue into a functional beverage space. So April has some grand plans for Swig and Swallow. 
and it's clear that she's ready to pour gasoline on the fire. What do you see out there by way of kind of data that convinces you as a founder that now is the time to scale this business? So um, I'm, I'm going to give you a sideways answer to this. Yeah. Um, so in terms of data, it's not like we've done hundreds of thousands of surveys. So we, yep. we don't have that data. What we do have is certainly the anecdotal, which is, again, people's eyes light up when they see it. Their eyes light up when they taste the product. We've also been on Fox and Friends, Martha Stewart, um, Forbes, uh, Town and Country, Esquire. All these people found us. We didn't do any of this outreach. I think that's not the exact answer I should be giving you. That is the truth. Yeah, no, I just, yeah. um, that's helpful to understand where you kind of get your yep. conviction. Yep. It's decision time. Has April convinced investors she's plotted a clear path to success? Or will the investors think the whole pitch seems a little ginned up? Phil's up first. So, April, it's apparent to me that... Yep. Um, that you're an expert in this space, and and it seems like you really, you really know the space. Um, other than that, I, there's nothing about this that appeals to me okay. at all. Okay, okay, um, totally fair. Hold on, and yeah, <laughs> I worry. Um, so you know, obviously, yeah. I have to be excited about yeah. an investment, and yeah. it's either you know the expression either hell yeah or it's no. Yeah, totally. Right? So for me, this is definitely not a hell yeah. I I don't drink. Yep. I don't entertain at the house. We don't have cocktail parties. Sure. You know, uh, from an investment standpoint, it's way too early to, for me. I think that your your distribution strategy is fragmented, yep. and I don't like the lack of focus. I don't like companies that sell into third-party retail and you have mm-hmm. to fight for shelf space. I think this product, sure. this type of product, you know, as Daniel was alluding to, you know, one in 100, one in 1,000 breaks through, and sure. there's no proof point yet. There's no early evidence that yours will be one. So, you know, I could go on and just nothing about it is yeah. sort of a fit for me. Sure, no problem. So without any disrespect at all yeah. to you, uh, I wish you the best, but I'm, I'm yeah. going to pass. Yeah. No, thank you very much for the feedback. Sure. Well, that was direct. Phil's out and it's on to Nicole. So I'm, I'm with Phil as well, okay. only because... You were actually, the minute you walked in and I saw the little bottles, I, I just have never touched. Every time I've touched food and beverage, I've it hasn't uh, sure. gone anywhere. So I just have a problem with those industries. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I can help you. You've yeah. obviously come through all a right. lot of the hard hoops in the beginning. Yeah. I mean, you're amazing. This is a, an you. amazing story. And you've come really far. It just isn't a fit for me. Nicole is out. Jillian's up next. One of the things that we ask our investor group um, when we assess uh, any type of product is the first thing we ask is, do we know a thousand people that would use this? Mm -hmm. And it has to be very intuitive. And so, of course, yes, even though I don't drink, I can think of a thousand people that would use this. Mm But I think at the present, with the present model, it's going to be very difficult to scale because it's very high touch. Mm-hmm. And so I worry about as you start to scale, are you going to lose some of the taste, if you will, mm-hmm. some of the, the trademark of this, which is super, super fresh, super artisanal, mm-hmm. artisanal right now, mm-hmm. handpicked and all of that. As you start to mass produce, are you going to lose that quality mm-hmm. um, and then become just one of the others? And the other is that the branding, even though... Um, 
It's interesting. Um, I don't think it's there yet. I mean, Skinny Girl had a true mission and it was connected to people because you bought it because of the brand and the promise right. of less, right? right? Less calories, right. right? And I don't know what the promise is right. here other than we taste better because we're higher quality. Mm -hmm. And that's not enough for me to break through the shelf, right. Right. right? So on those, I'm going to pass. Okay. Three of our four investors are out. Now it's up to Daniel. So I'll, I'll round it yeah. out. Um, yeah. I actually feel like I'm maybe a little bit more bullish than some of these guys. I think that- Because you're um, an Aussie. <laughs> <laughs> Love a good drink. I, I don't know, I just feel like you're riding some important like consumer megatrends. I think mm -hmm. premiumization, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. is real and happening. Mm -hmm. um, the trend towards convenience is real and happening. The trends towards um, sort of in favor of higher ingredient quality. Like I think, I think this hits on a number of different just secular consumer trends. Yep. Um, buying online, having buying it delivered to your house. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think, yeah. I think, like there's actually to me. A really great story kind of shaping up here mm -hmm. and when i put the um the sector story alongside um kind of your own story and mm -hmm. your own domain expertise and and background I, I think you've got the makings of potentially a really interesting brand um i think that f from where i see it you know i've seen so many businesses get crushed under the weight of like raising vc too sure. early right and businesses that would otherwise be really healthy sure um, big businesses mm -hmm. that just kind of never got their start because mm -hmm. investors were expecting 300% growth year sure. on year when that was just unrealistic. Mm -hmm. It was just fighting the laws of gravity. And I feel like this kind of fits into that category mm -hmm. where you almost need to gut it out for a few years and, um, and avoid VC actually for your own sake um, before before taking VC money to, to like truly scale. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, I'm super bullish, actually super bullish on the opportunity. And I think wouldn't be surprised at all if we kind of circled back in a year from now and mm -hmm. things looked a lot, a lot different. Okay. Thanks Great. so much. Well, thank you Appreciate so much. It. Thanks, April. Thanks, April. April heads out, while the investors delve into something they didn't mention with April in the room. So, Daniel, you're spot on. Like if I was in this business, I would I actually that. take a risk on this yeah. because I do think she has something. I think the branding, I'm not big on sip and swallow. Yeah. I think that swig and swallow, but see, that's a problem. So I think there has to be some pop, one name, yeah, the one name, something. I think the like, labels are nice. The drinks yeah. look good, but you are right. Like I'm not going out to get a swig and swallow. It yeah. right, sounds right. a little bit It's a little weird. too f much of a mouthful, right? Um, and I also think that there is, there are so many of these on the shelf. Yeah. You know, they're Fragmented. so, it is so, so, and it's really saturated. Yeah. And so to say, she really has to something like a skinny girl. She has to have something really unique mm. that you, it pops out or, and, and you remember. Or forget and the branding it. and just sell to hotels so that they yeah. can keep yeah. well, quality right. control that's of it. their margaritas so at every Hilton. Or that's at one every, way of doing it. But yeah. the other way, which yeah. I see is, is, is probably more likely, is I'd rather her build the brand organically, just DDC, just online, selling it direct, yeah. and work with influencers online yes. to build the brand yes. and to get traction and get like a real core following of people yeah. who are buying yeah. a direct yeah. consumer where you have really high and then margin. And show up with yeah. real revenue. And, yeah. Then, yeah. and then you can talk about raising and then go into other distribution strategies like retail. I 
She's going into WeWork. She's putting the labels on. Yeah. She's selling through Amazon. She's got. She's going to burn out. She's yeah. got, there's too. She's got to focus more. Yeah, you she's should have said focus. that to her. Phil, well, I did. I said yeah. fragmented distribution yeah. strategy. I don't. I said nothing about it. it appeals to me. So. No, I think I think I mean, you're right about that in, in the sense that I I feel like she, you know, it's the boiling the ocean, right? She has to pick one particular direction, but um, but I like her. She has the acumen. To do this, she has experience. She has she's the really network. well spoken. She has she's, the network. You can tell she's yep, got she's, the tenacity too. So, but she knows the business for sure. I mean, yeah, she's been around. I just it's the last it thing I know about though. Yeah, that's it. I I don't even yeah the Moscow ma muse mouse right okay all right there we go off to <laughs> onto the tequila. When we come back, we find out from April that this pitch had a pretty serious impact on her company. Coming up after the break. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, and one thread that connects them all, they're not just pitching their business, they're pitching themselves. Because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company, it's their whole life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies that fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. Your business is your life and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. About a month after her pitch, April came to our Brooklyn studios to give me some updates. It's been about a month since you pitched to the investors. Correct. What's happened since then? Oh, so many things. Um, so when I ran into you after pitching, I was not terribly happy. This was not the first conversation where I had spoken to a potential investor because I chatted with some folks months prior and they just – they clearly didn't see it as like a viable opportunity for them. Sure. So the issue that I was having was I was like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, you know, between like conveying this as a great product and showing that it's a great business opportunity. So what would you do? So – all right. So the other piece of that is I actually didn't in that moment think that the feedback I'd gotten from the investors was that helpful. But like 20 hours later, I realized it was really helpful. <laughs> like what? Well, you know, I had heard, I'd heard, you know, investors say on a handful of occasions, like, why aren't you guys doing more direct to consumer? You know, why are you focusing so much on wholesale? And I realized that because Gates and I come from food service, we know that there's a need there, and we have just always thought, well, we should fill it because there's that need. So, I guess the the moment of realization I had after pitching was. Just because there's a need there doesn't mean we have to fill it, and that also really doesn't mean that's the best 
you know, direction for us as a company to go. And so as a result of that, um, you know, we then started focusing more on direct-to-consumer and, you know, improving our Instagram and dabbling with, you know, social media advertising. And it's been amazing since then. It's we've gotten, What's happened? Well, we've gotten a lot more traction. So we've been dabbling with a bunch of different types of images, specifically on Instagram, you know, that we're promoting. And really looking at the analytics of that and seeing which ones work well and which ones don't. And like, what have you learned from that? Have you found, like, have you found something that's really resonating? Absolutely. The images that show pouring spirits into the bottle, people kind of seem to go crazy for. <laughs> well, it, well, it makes sense. Is really? It shows something is different about it. Okay. And so we've gotten a lot of engagement. We've gotten um, significantly better conversions on our website. We've gotten way more web traffic. And interestingly, um, you know, again, we started sending the deck out last week, and we've gotten approached by a bunch of other investors, too. I don't even know how they're all finding us, but I think momentum is very, yeah, it's it's like tangible somehow. That that, has to feel good. Oh, my God, yeah. You said that sales have gone up a bunch since. Can you give me like an uh, some sort of estimate, like what percentage, like how big of a shift? Well, so so this is directly related to how much you know money we're putting into Instagram, right? What's been interesting is that the ads have more than paid for themselves with you know with the sales that we've gotten. Um, so do you again, have do you have a number where you know like if we put in a hundred dollars, it turns into one hundred fifty in sales or two hundred in sales? Like, do you know those numbers? Yeah. So I. I started doing this actively about a week, week and a half ago. Um, I think we spent about $250 on Instagram ads, and we've probably gotten six or 700 in for that. Um, wow. And a tremendous amount of exposure. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like um, you picked the market based on where you sat and what made the most sense to you based on your experience. Mm-hmm. but. Almost, it's almost like the product itself had a different market in mind. Totally, and like the, the product picks its own market, and you realized, oh, I'm going the wrong way. I need to adapt to what I've created that just happens to be consumer friendly. Oh, totally. And and I think that that's you know I've helped open six bars and restaurants, and there's always the idea that the owner comes in with, and then what the neighborhood wants to do with the place. And sometimes they <laughs> are the same thing, and sometimes they're completely different. And I think. You know, we just want to make something that works and that people love and that is easy for them to get and easy for them to use and enjoy. Um, And, you know, this just provided a lot of clarity that for whatever reason, we just hadn't seen it before. Got it. You mentioned you're working on the branding Mm -hmm. um, as well. Is part of it, like, are you looking to change the name? It seemed like the investors, after you left the room, they talked more and the general consensus was like, we don't like this name. It like isn't a pretty picture in our mind. <laughs> Is that something you're looking to change, or do you feel differently about it? Um, I that's not my top priority. I mm. don't. I mean, I don't actually care if it's called Swig and Swallow or it's called something else. Um, but here's what I would say about that: is you know, before Twitter and before Facebook, nobody knew what a tweet was. Nobody knew what a like was in that context. I think that you know sometimes the like the brand far overcomes what the name is. And so it's the association that matters more. Um, Like if people like the product, they'll get over it.
even in the short time since she's pitched, it sounds like April has made some significant headway. And that's the thing about pitching. Sometimes the best result is that you walk away with some great advice. So to April, I only have one thing left to say. Cheers. Our show is produced by me, Josh Muccio, Molly Donahue, and Kareem Maddox. We are edited by Devin Taylor. We're mixed by Enoch Kim. Original music composed by The Musemaker. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Thanks to Lisa Muccio for planning the recording of this pitch. We found out about Swig and Swallow after April applied to be on the show. Founders who are raising money can apply to pitch by going to thepitch.show slash apply. And as a reminder, no offer to invest is being made to or solicited from the listening audience on today's show. All right, you've been listening to The Pitch from Gimlet Media. We'll be back with a brand new episode next Wednesday. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.